Around the world, the Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to the Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to the Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to welcome you to the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Tuesday, November the 24th, 2020. We welcome each of you today. and We trust that this week you will be mindful that your help, your strength, everything that you possess comes from the Lord God of Abraham. One of the great perils of the last days is the spirit of unthankfulness. That is one of the great perils here in the end. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Those are the two words unthankful, unholy. You do not want to become either here in the time of the end. You want to remain a thankful child of God. And of course, Thursday we will be celebrating, acknowledging Thanksgiving with family, friends, and we should always be mindful our help, our strength, the great mercy and grace that God has bestowed upon us, it comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. I was praying this morning, and I was thanking God for the oceans of mercy and the mountains of grace that God has bestowed upon me personally and the ministry how he's watched over, protected my family. We, we, just, we just somehow become unthankful so easily, so quickly. We should not be unthankful. We should always be thankful. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Giving thanks because of his great mercy and grace. He has bestowed upon our lives. Before we get back into the series, The Coming Evil Revolution, I want to play a beautiful, beautiful song today by Jason Crabbed entitled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. If you could have anything in this world, anything, health, wealth, power, if you could have anything in this life, on this side of eternity, what had you rather have? Listen to Jason Crabb as he sings, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. Rather have Jesus. 
Had you rather have Jesus more than anything? I pray today that is your desire to have Christ more than anything. Amen. We want to pick back up today where we left off yesterday. We were concluding with the thought and how that many people regrettably have joined the harlot church. The harlot church. I want you to think about that. Before the Babylonian captivity 
took place in the lives of the Jewish nation Israel. The prophet I, uh, Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 3, 3, Therefore the showers have been withholden. There hath been no latter rain. And thou hast a whore's forehead, and thou refusest to be ashamed. Think of the magnitude of that statement. The hardness, the harshness of the forehead of a prostitute. They should be ashamed because what they're doing is a disgrace. Yet they parade around, dress provocative in such a manner that lures men into seduction. And that same spirit, which is anti-Christ, regrettably has pervaded the modern church today. James 4, 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You can't be serious, can you, pastor? If you are a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. That takes spiritual maturity to understand It's okay to fellowship and to witness with sinners because they're not joined to the body of Christ. You cannot commit adultery unless you're married. If you're single, you're fornicating. James says, you adulterers and adulteresses, meaning you are married, you are joined to the body of Christ. I want you to get that. Now, he's not talking here in James 4, Verse 4, he's not talking about physical adulterers and physical adulteresses. This is a spiritual application. You have taken my name. You say I'm your Lord. You say I'm your Savior. You say I'm your Redeemer. But then you still go out here and you live like hell and you say it's all covered by grace. So it really, at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference how that I live. When God said to Israel, thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain, he was not talking about taking God's name to damn something. He meant, don't take my name, say I am your Lord, your Savior, your Messiah, and then you go out here and live in sin. You've taken my name in vain. If a woman marries a man, takes his last name, and then goes out here and sleeps with every man that comes along, she took his name in vain. She took his name in vain. That's what that means when God said, don't take my name in vain. Now, of course, To take God's name and damn something is horrendous, horrific, grievous to the Holy Spirit of God. But he's talking about a relationship here. And the relationship is compared to a marriage. Fidelity, faithfulness. We were talking about the word... Planos, meaning 
seducing spirits. We we say she's been seduced. He's been seduced by what? Another person. A, a power has overtaken them. They are blind. They can't see. They're falling into a trap. They're falling into a snare. That's what's happened to the modern church. It's been seduced by seducing spirits. And once seducing spirits come into the church, evil doctrines and false teachings begin to explode because they are justified because they have been seduced. They, they are not seeing clearly. Having pastored for over 27 years and been in ministry over 40 years, I understand because I've witnessed and I've seen people fall into an adulterous relationship and they will try to explain away all the conviction and why they shouldn't be there, but they'll tell you why they should be there, why they are justified in doing what they are doing. But they're not justified in the eyes of God. You may try to seek to justify your sins in my eyes, but that will never justify you in the eyes of God if it is transgression against God's laws and commandments. Remember John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's not talking about the Mosaic Decalogue. That's talking about the New Testament. See, grace is a far greater standard than law. Under the law, you had to physically sleep with someone to be an adulterer or adulteress. Under grace, you just look on a woman. He said, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It's a high standard. Present-day evil doctrines are just mere false teachings. These false teachings are demonically inspired because they are not Bible-based. When something is Bible-based, it is truth, it is righteousness, it is correct. All false teachings, all false doctrines come from the devil. They don't come from God. They come from the devil. And then the devil's ministers become purveyors of these falsehoods. Remember 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14 and 15? No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, there are several things here I want to elaborate on because I want you to understand the gravity and the magnitude of Satan's ministers. Number one, Satan does have his ministers. He's put his hand on their life. He's touched their life demonically. Their lives are depraved. Their lives are sinful. Their lives are wicked. Why? Because they are Satan's ministers. It is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. In other words, there's a transformation a metamorphosis. They're, they're, they're turning into something that they truly are not. They appear to be 
ministers of righteousness, but underneath the veneer, their core is wicked as hell. You see that in public offices today. You see that in so much today, a veneer, a facade, a covering of wickedness. Wicked, I mean absolute, pure, unadulterated, unmitigated wickedness in people's lives, and these people are in a leadership and authority. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to cease in my prayer life that God will smite the wicked. You say, well, you're supposed to pray for them. I am praying for them. Well, that's not the kind of prayer you're supposed to pray for them. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, if the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. I pray God smite the wicked. Prosecute them literally. It's high time. I pay my taxes like any liberal person does. Matter of fact, I probably pay more because a lot of liberal mindsets won't on the dole. They give it to me, bless me with education, health care. Oh, and you let somebody like David Lankford, you, they're going to pay for my free education. They're going to pay for my free health care. Wait a minute. Where's my right? Where's my right? Christians... And the older I get, I realize how terribly my predecessors failed, horribly, terribly. When they took prayer out of school, the next Monday morning, every godly parent in America sort of said, my child will not go back to school until you restore prayer. They didn't say a stinking word. I was just a kid. I was 18 years old when Roe v. Wade was passed. I wasn't living for the Lord. But where were the godly men to say, we're not standing for this stuff? And I was always taught as a young man, you stay out of politics. There's politics in everything. That's so true. There's politics in denominations. There's politics in, in every aspect of the world. I mean, every aspect of the world is full of politics. Politics, 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 politics. It's there. It's there. It's, it's always going to be there. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. It's going to be there till Jesus comes. But the fact of the matter is, we've let this go for so long. We've let this go for so long. And as I said as a young man, I was always told, don't get involved in politics. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. That's the church is the only thing that's the salt and the light. The church is the only thing that is the uh, preserving element in the earth. And yet we've backed away. We've let them take over everything. We should have never suffered that. We should have never allowed that. We should have never done that, but we did. And we need to stand back up. We need to be counted. And all of the Christians, let's say they're Christians, 
they're not all Christians. Well, you, you, that's self-righteous. You can't say that. I, I, Jesus said it. I, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Just because people say they're Christians, my God. The nominal politician will tell you, I'm a Christian. But they don't live like it, do they? Lie, cheat, rob, steal, commit adultery, embezzle, in bed with wicked governments. But as I've said, someone, somebody must fulfill all the negative scriptures in the Bible. There'll be those who will join themselves to the harlot church. Those scriptures must be fulfilled. There will be those who will depart from the faith and they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There will be ministers who were once God's ministers but will become Satan's ministers. All of this is going to come to fruition. All of this is going to come to pass. But see, you have a choice whether to go with the flow of the world or to say, no, I resist evil and sin. I will not capitulate. I will not surrender. I will not go that way. I will go only the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way that I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to go strictly by the word of the Lord. Remember I shared, I believe it was last week from Romans 9 and 22, vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. That word fitted in the Greek says they're made for destruction. Now, God just didn't make them to be destroyed. They became that way through sin, through departing from the faith, through uh, desecrating their bodies with sinful deeds and actions, and so they become vessels of, made for destruction. But that's not how God made them. They became that through sin. God does not make men fornicators. God does not make men adulterers. God does not make men sodomites. God does not make women lesbians. God does not make children transgender. You know, I'm so sick. Walter Ziffer, a a World War II Jewish Holocaust survivor, I met him personally, talked to him, and, and the power in changing words. Why does anyone have to say gay marriage? Why do you have to say same sex marriage? Because you're trying to change the meaning of the word marriage. I mean, I just read Genesis the other day. God made them male and female. He didn't make them transgender. There is no such thing. You cannot be a a, a man and have ovaries. You cannot be a man and have a womb. 
It, God didn't make you like that. But you come along, you change the word of God, Romans 1, 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. You see, men are changing the truth. They're changing what God has predetermined. God predetermined when my mother and father conceived me, I was conceived as a man, a male. Not a female, but a male. That, that's how God conceived me. When that those two elements came together and there was conception, there was already so much foreknowledge in that conception that it was predetermined then. Genetically, DNA, this is what I would be. But before that ever happened, God already knew what you would be because he told Jeremiah there in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in your mother's belly, I knew you. God knew Jeremiah as a man in his mind before he was ever conceived. God knew Hannah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, in his mind before they were ever born and conceived. They would be women, and they would bear children. Hannah bore Samuel. Mary bore Jesus. God already knew that that's the foreknowledge of God. The Greek word prognosis. We asked the doctor, what's my prognosis? In other words, give me insight of the future of my health by treating my ailments with medicine, rehab, etc., whatever the case might be. What's the prognosis? In other words, look into the future, doctor. Tell me what you perceive. That's why it's called prognosis. God already foreknew these things. And God also foreknew there would be those who would walk, start out walking the walk, but they would be sifted as wheat. And they would turn to Satan. They would, they would, they would go after Satan. And when they do that, they lose that part that we call scripturally vessels of honor that are sanctified and meet for the master's use, and they become vessels of dishonor made for destruction. God didn't make them in the beginning to be vessels of destruction. They became that. They became that because they embraced, they coddled, and they lived a life of sin, and God's going to destroy the wicked. This is not rocket science. This is not rocket science in, in that, well, I, I just don't know. We have the Bible. The Bible is clear. The Bible is exceedingly descriptive, describing and telling us all of these things. Of course, people don't read their Bibles. They don't study their Bibles and so when somebody like me comes along and ministers from the different aspects of the Word of God, well, Pastor Lankford's crazy. Don't listen to him. He's hard. He's hellfire and brimstone. Yes, I am hellfire and brimstone. Why? Because the Bible preaches hellfire and brimstone. It teaches hellfire and brimstone. 
Psalms 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalm 7, verse 11, God is angry with the wicked every day. Uh, Isaiah 7, 13, it is a small thing for you to weary man, but will you weary my God also? Romans 1, 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient because they didn't want to keep God in their mind. God said, okay, I'll let you become a vessel of wrath fitted or made for destruction. You become that vessel made for destruction because that is the path you chose. That's what you wanted. Why? Because you didn't want to retain God in your knowledge. I don't want a God consciousness. I don't want a God awareness. I don't want to be convicted of a sin, so I'm going to blot God out, just like God says in Revelation 3, 5. I'm going to blot people's names out. And yet people have the audacity to say, well, you can't lose your salvation. Well, tell me how your name can be in the book of life one minute and be blotted out the next minute. Hello? You see, they'll, they'll no person, preacher, purported Christian that believes once saved, always saved, unconditional, eternal security. You'll never hear them read from Revelation 3 and 5 because God, Jesus said, I'll blot your name out. You don't overcome? What are you trying to overcome? The devil and sin. We're trying to overcome the devil and sin. You don't overcome? I'll blot your name out. Well, it's hard. I can't overcome. Well, you, you don't know your Bible. First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God gives the believer overcoming power. Hallelujah. Overcoming power. Deutimus, the Greek word for power, dynamite, dynamo, authority to overcome sin. And I've learned in life, just don't make place for the devil. Just don't go there. Don't get in that trap. Don't, don't go to that place. You know they're going to have liquor there. You know they're going to have pot there. They're going to have cocaine there. They're going to have meth there. Why do you want to go to the office party when you know they're going to be serving alcoholic beverages? Why do you go to the party? Well, I don't want to be unsociable. So you want to become a vessel of wrath? fitted or made for destruction, because you know if you have a problem with liquor and you go to the party where they're serving liquor, somebody might talk you into having a drink. And after the first drink, it's easier for the second, then the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And now you're drunk. You just can't do things. Listen, God showed me this years ago. To keep what God has given you and blessed you with to keep it, you got to make some changes. If a doctor works, and we're talking in the natural sphere, the natural realm of medicine, if the doctor gives you penicillin or whatever he may give you to heal your body, why would you go back when he says, now don't do that again because if you do, you're going to get sick again. Why would you go back and do that when you've been healed? Everyone would tell you, well, you're, you're stupid. You're crazy to go back and, and, and do that because you're going to get sick again. Well, to keep your wellness, 
to keep your body whole, you don't go back and do that. See? To keep what God has given us, redemption, salvation, we don't go back to the world. We don't go back to our vomit, as Peter so described in 2 Peter chapter 2, which was a proverb from Solomon. The dog is returned to his vomit, and the sow that was washed to the wallowing in the mire. You can wash a hog. They're going to run back and get back in the mud. They love it. Cools them off. But then they're getting the sun that's crusty. How do I know? I've hung around pigs and rode them, as a matter of fact. I know a lot about pigs. You got to put a ring in their nose to keep them from rooting and tearing up the soil. Yet I watch human beings running around with rings in their noses. I'm like, what's that all about? A friend of mine told me some time ago, he went into a convenience store, and this old gal, she had her her nose full of rings. He said, well, did you miss your ear this morning when you got up? She, he, she didn't know what he meant. He said, I couldn't believe how many rings she had in her nose. When I was a little boy, there's a little tool, and you put a ring in a pig's nose, and that ring keeps him from rooting in the soil because they'll, they'll till the soil like a tiller. They'll tear it up, rooting. But that ring hurts, so they won't do it. People will go back and do things they know they shouldn't do. They, they, should, they know they shouldn't even be there. But they go and they tempt God. Then what happens? They fall back into sin. And that's why their latter end is worse than their beginning. Peter said it had been better if they had never known the way of righteousness, to have known it, and then to return to the pollutions of the world. This is all Bible. You know, I, I, I marvel at how people say, well, this and that. You can't lose your salvation. You, you, the Bible is so clear in these matters. 2 Peter 2, 21, for it had been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing and the mire. Proverb 26, 11. Peter's just quoting Solomon. Going back. That's why it's called backsliding. You slid away from God, and you slid back into open sin. You see, there are willful Imposters in the world right now. Boy, I'm telling you, it's, it is amazing the enormity of the imposters in the world. And these imposters willfully trick, these deceivers willfully trick the unsuspecting souls through their duplicitous and hypocritical lies. You sow a seed in this ministry, God will give you tens of thousands of dollars. Get this holy water. Get this holy oil. Buy this from me, and it'll supernaturally change your life. No, it won't. I, I, I've never, ever fell for one of those tricks because it's not Bible. 
You don't sell God. You don't buy God. It's mercy, it's grace, it's redemption, it's forgiveness. It's all on God's part. You can't, you can't put a stake, a claim on God. God, you owe me. God don't owe anybody anything. My own brother, younger, younger brother said, God ain't never done anything for me. And I thought, are you that stupid to make such a carnal statement as that? God ain't never done anything for you. I said, you remember when your son was sick after he was born and thought he was going to die? You called me to, to come to Greenville, South Carolina and pray for him, and I did, and God ministered to the child. Now the child's grown, married, and got his own children. But God ain't never done anything for you. I'm telling you, people are crazy. People are crazy. And these imposters, these ministers of Satan, they, they start living like, they live this way, and then their conscience becomes seared. They don't know their conscience is seared. They don't know they have departed from the faith. They don't know they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and have been overcome. They've been overtaken by Satan, literally. They've been overtaken by Satan, Then Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's, that's horrible. See, now they've become seducers, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. See, the deception gets worse. Notice the, 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 the protocol, deceiving and being deceived. So they're deceiving the masses, and the deceiver is becoming more deceived all along the way. It just gets worse. Then you start teaching and preaching heresy. Well, it's all under the blood. It's all under grace. Don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. It's under, it's under, it's all covered by grace. Go ahead. Remember, I'm still in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. The word troubled there means to be agitated by these evil spirits. I was praying this morning. And I, in my prayer, I said, God, I know what David said. Don't fret the evildoer when you see him prospering. I said, but God, I'm sick and tired of it. I, I want justice. I want righteousness. I want you to execute justice in the land. I want you to do that. And I said, I know what your word says. I'm not to fret the evildoer when it seems as though he's prospering. I know their day will come. In the judgment halls of God, there will be absolute justice. There will, every man will be held to an account. Romans 14, 11, and 12. It is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow unto me, every tongue shall confess unto God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself unto God. We're all going to give an account. 
All of us. No, nobody is going to get a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free car. Nobody. Not even the redeemed. Paul said, don't you be troubled. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get bad. Don't let that trouble you. Remember I said some weeks ago, don't. He's not talking about, about getting in trouble. He's talking about not being troubled. See, when I do something wrong and I get in trouble, usually that's my fault. That's not what Paul's talking about. He doesn't want you troubled or agitated because of all these events that are taking place in the earth. Don't, don't get troubled. Now, the word troubled here in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, Verse 2 is the same as in Mark chapter 13, verse 7. Agitated. See, that when you get agitated, you're troubled. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Now, now let me just kind of share. I'm not going to go on into that yet. I will later on in the teaching. But don't be troubled by what? By a spirit, by a word, or by a letter as from us. Paul defines what will trouble people here in the time of the end. Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't trouble you. The Holy Spirit comforts you. It's evil spirits that trouble you. Mark 13, verse 7. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be Ye not troubled, for such things must be, but the end shall not be yet. You see, I keep telling everyone, quit listening to all these jacklegs about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist right now. We're not at that stage or that phase yet. See? Now, someone emailed me the other day and asked me about all of this peacemaking between Israel and and the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Kuwait, and these people are known as kings, the king of Jordan. And I said, yes, that's, that's, I've, I've been saying that. That's what, see, I'm looking for this to be a, 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 a safety security agreement between Jews and the Islamic world. I'm, I'm not looking at Europe. They're, they're those Jack Van Impe preached that for decades. Furthermore, it's not the Antichrist who introduces the mark of the beast, but that's what you hear all these jacklegs say over and over again. It's the false prophet. Now, people tried to identify the false prophet. Now, I'm not going to argue that the Pope we have right now, we, well, not we have, the one that the Catholic Church has, there's no doubt in my mind he's false. But I'm not going to say he's the false prophet, the one that Revelation speaks of. Oh, he's false, all right. There's a lot of falsehood and fallacy and mendacities in the world. As I said, one of the great anomalies, one of the great aberrations in the church is everybody, not everyone, that's a poor choice of words, many people try to make current events fit their biblical timeline, and every generation in the world has tried that at some point in time. As I said, if we had been living in World War II, 
and there are nuclear detonations over in Japan, and we had all this uh, media, YouTube, uh, my my fa- uh, Facebook, MySpace, whatever that stuff is, Google. You people would have said, "This is it. This this is it. This is it." Seventy to eighty years ago, that stuff was happening. But guess what? Jesus said, but the end shall not be yet. That's that's Mark's gospel, Mark 13, verse 37. Jesus, according to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. And I'm going to say it again. The end is not yet. What are people going to say two years from now when they said last year, this is it? Just like the one guy sent me the email, Donald Trump will be ousted in July, and he tied it to the 1,260 days, July 2020. False prophet. Let me tell you something about false teachers Let me tell you something about false teachers and about false prophets. If you don't already know this, let me give you a great insight and a great revelation here. These men do not pray. They don't have time to pray because they're shucking you down to make money by selling false prophecy. They're not praying. If they were praying, the Holy Ghost would restrain them and say, that time is not yet. You see, God promised Simeon before he died, he would see the Messiah. I don't know where Simeon was. I don't know what Simeon was doing. But I do know this. The day, the hour came when the Holy Ghost said to Simeon, the Messiah is here. He's about to be brought to the temple to be circumcised. I want you to go right now. I want you to go right now, and I want you to get to the temple because the Messiah is about to be brought into the temple, and you're going to see him, Simeon, before you die. You're going to see him, Simeon. Luke 2, 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just. That word just meant two things. He was a righteous man and he kept the law. That's what that word just means. And devout. He was a dedicated, consecrated, separated, blood-bought, born-again child of God, believing in the Messiah. What was he doing? waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. You see, false prophecy teachers and false prophets don't have the Holy Ghost on them. So they say anything to sell material. Watch this, verse 26, Luke 2, 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God told him, Simeon, chill out. 
Be cool. You are not going to die till you see the Messiah. Who told him that? The Bible said the Holy Ghost revealed unto him. I know we're not where these guys are saying we're at. Now, I will keep reiterating it and repeating it. We're getting there. But as I said, till you see this confederation of the ten kings, see, they've got to be in place, folks. Because once all this last 42 months come into clear view, the, and here's another thing. Has anybody seen the abomination of desolation? That's what starts great tribulation. All these clowns out here want to say we're in great tribulation. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're, we're getting there. But see, it's the event called the abomination of desolation that ignites the great tribulation. Let me move on. Simeon. The Holy Ghost said, Simeon, you're not going to die till you see the Messiah. Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Time for Jesus to be circumcised. It was the eighth day. It was a new beginning. Messiah was here. And the Holy Ghost said, go to the temple now. Now, he may have been building a wagon wheel. I'm not sure what Simeon did for a living. But whatever he was doing, he stopped because the Holy Ghost led him, or it says he came by the Spirit. The Spirit said, you're not going to die. The Spirit came on him and led him to the temple. And when he got there, guess who was at the temple? The Messiah, the Redeemer, the Chosen One, the Holy One of Israel. And God honored his promise. Now, I'm sure there were days in the life of Simeon. I don't know how old he was here. We don't know. But I'm sure in, there were days the devil said, dude, you're going to die. You're not going to see the Messiah. And his old frail body probably thought, Lord, when will it happen? When, when I'm getting old, Lord. I'm, get, I'm getting old. I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time left. You know, we all can see the writing on the wall when it comes to age especially. But God does not lie. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Everything God spoke to Simeon, he made it good. God's good on his word. Quit wondering, is God going to make his promises good in your life? They're going to come to, if you have to live to be 250 years old, You'll live to be 250, and God will bring to pass what he's promised you. I don't know about that. Then you don't believe he's God. Because he said, I'm the God of all flesh. Remember what he told Peter? If I want this apostle to be alive when I come back, what is that to you, Peter? In other words, if I want this man to live to be 2,241 years of age, that's nothing to you. I can do that if I so choose to do that, Peter. I'm telling you, folks, we limit, we limit God. We do. We limit God. The end is not yet. 
that phrase, let me, let me, let me read that phrase in the Greek. For such things must needs to be first. The end is not yet. In other words, some things have yet to happen. I've used this analogy. Romans eleven twenty five blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That word until, that tells you something is going to change. I'm going to keep doing this program until my time runs out. When my time runs out, something has to change. I have to quit. You know, we, we still do WWCR, and under the FCC rules, I have 58 minutes and 50 seconds, and that minute and 10 seconds leaves them airtime to identify themselves as, a, as, a, as a, a station, those kind of things. Block talk radio, I can do up to three hours a day. I can do 10 minutes, I can do three hours. It's not regulated by the FCC because they're not using the airwaves. They're using an internet. But when you're using uh, FCC, airwaves are regulated by them. So they you have to do certain things. Jesus is saying some things must be first fulfilled. After they're fulfilled, then you're going to see something else come to fruition. See, Jesus' birth was just part of it. He had to be born naturally, then ultimately go to the cross and die. His birth was just part of it. God was showing Simeon, you're going to see him, and I and I personally, this is not this is just something I personally believe. I don't believe Simeon was alive during the crucifixion. That was another 33 and a half years from then. That's just conjecture. It's something I think is in in reading between the lines. He would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. Again, the word before. In other words, after you see the Lord's Christ, something is going to happen. Death. It is time. It is time. It is time that we understand. It is imperative to be led by the Holy Ghost. It is imperative to be led by the Spirit of God. It is imperative to immerse ourselves in the Word of God that we might understand where we are. See, people are reacting to events. I read something the other day. You take the letter S out of mask and put R, and you got Mark. Mark of the beast. See, you're, you're trying to make something happen. And you're twisting things to make it look like this is it. Sad. It's, it's really sad that Christians have stooped this pathetically low when it comes to Bible prophecy. Where's the integrity? Where's the honesty? Where's the righteousness and truthfulness and, and wholesome purity and being straight up? Don't put a slant on it. Don't put an angle on it. Why do you want to do that? That's corruption. You're like the world when you put the little slant on it. 
That's evil. The Holy Ghost, the, there's nothing more pure and transparent than the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. These hucksters are twisting it, manipulating it. It disgusts me. It disgusts me because it's not right. What happened to righteousness? Remember, Simeon, the Bible said, he was just. He was, that man, he was a righteous man, and he kept the law. He, 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 he sought to do what was right. And I believe that's one of the reasons God made this great august promise to him. You're not going to die before you see the Messiah. See, God doesn't, didn't owe Simeon anything of that magnitude. Simeon loved the Lord. And by the way, Simeon, his name, it means hearing. He could hear the voice of the Lord. The question today is a very, 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 very simple one. That is, do you hear the voice of the Lord? Psalms 29, verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Do you hear the voice of the Lord? Don't forget to thank God Thursday. Please humble yourself. Pray a very gracious and generous prayer of thanksgiving before you partake before you partake of your Thanksgiving dinner this year. Say, God, I want to I thank you. I want to magnify. You've been so good to me. My family, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my business. Be thankful. Be mindful that your help comes from the Lord God of Abraham. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to continue to bless you. God bless you. I'll see you next week. And the Lord Jesus Christ, do be mindful of this Thanksgiving. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. 28020.